Time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun this morning. Vaughn, would you try ranch-flavored ice cream? Good Lord. <laughs> the questions I get from you. It was in the newscast. No, I was still, just listening I'm to John Street. I'm trying to hunt down Cherry Garcia ice cream. As a, as a Grateful Dead fan, uh, that's the one I go looking for. That's it? That's like your favorite? <laughs> yeah. No, no, nothing exotic for you? Nothing. Uh, it's pretty exotic, you know. Cherry Garcia. You're telling Cherry Garcia. Really? <laughs> yeah, no, when they created it, Ben and Jerry's, um, uh, Jerry's lawyer got a hold of him and said, did you give permission to this? And he said, no. And he said, well, I think I'm going to write him a letter. <laughs> and Garcia's lawyer did write them a letter, and they went, yeah, okay, uh, we'll pay Jerry something uh, for the sort of use of his name. Uh, I don't know how much he got. It was probably a lot of dough, though, because, uh, you know, you get a letter from a lawyer, and they... The company just Listen. rolls their eyes and went, yeah, yeah, pay him. You know there's people out there, Vaughn, I'm saying probably of a certain age and a certain generation, where if you said to them it's named after somebody, they'd go, Cherry Garcia, the yeah, ice cream no, flavor, is named after I know, somebody? Jerry's been dead <laughs> since 1995, so there's a whole group of listeners out there going, what the hell is Palmer talking about this morning? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> well, at least maybe now I feel like having ice cream. Uh, yeah. And you know what? I'm with you. I, I wouldn't have the ranch-flavored ice cream either. It yeah. sounds gross to me, but hey, in the news, I had to ask somebody. It's better than tobacco-flavored. Ugh. <laughs> let's let's talk about bail reform this morning yeah. because I thought this was funny. it was a Friday afternoon, but it seemed like it was big news. Yeah, so the federal government convened a summit in Ottawa on Friday with all of the provincial justice ministers, solicitors general, BC sent Mike Farnworth and Nikki Sharma, and the theme was bail reform. Do we need it? And when they broke up on Friday, uh, smiles all around. The federal justice minister, David Lamedi, nodded that, yes, uh, we need to do something about this problem with repeat violent offenders. We need to address that with changes in the criminal code. And the two B.C. ministers were all surprised. They said it was a good day. They are satisfied that Ottawa is going to act. Okay, so what specifically are we talking about here? The proposal from the province, and it's the, the federal justice minister, Lametti, didn't exactly say what they're going to do, but he said we're going to deal with the problem of repeat violent offenders. So the proposal from the provinces, the first step is to uh, bring in reverse onus, onus requirement provision, and I'll define that in a minute, uh, reverse onus provision on uh, uh, people who are arrested with restricted weapons, loaded weapons, who also already have a record. So reverse onus means that when you and your lawyer go to court, you've been charged or arrested with a loaded weapon, Reverse onus means you have to persuade the judge or your lawyer has to persuade the judge that granting you bail would not put the public at risk. So the idea is that you're not denied bail, but it's your job to persuade the judge that you can be safely released. And the idea of the reform is to make it less likely that repeat violent offenders or people with dangerous weapons or illegal weapons or loaded weapons will be back on the street, you know, before the end of the day. So that's the idea. 
the federal justice minister, Lametti, did not exactly say if that's what they're going to do, but the assumption is that's the way Ottawa is headed. BC's AG, Nikki Sharma, said uh, she thinks the, pro- the federal government will act as soon as this spring, which is like, for Ottawa, springing into action, almost instant response. Believe it when you see it, but it does sound like there is going to be changes in the criminal code regarding bail. Hmm. Where did this disconnect come from, though, Vaughn? Because before when they talked about this, it was like the provinces were saying one thing and the justice minister was like, oh, they thought that everything was fine. Yeah, so there's a, a political problem for the federal government, which is the federal conservative leader, Polyev, has picked up the theme of catch and release same as we have here in British Columbia. The idea is Ottawa changed the criminal code provisions on bail back in 2019, and to put it generously, there have been some unintended consequences. The problem of repeat violent offenders being arrested and being released on bail almost immediately to go back out and do it again. That's the problem. Lametti was was very, very defensive about the legislation when he was before a parliamentary committee on Monday. He said the federal legislation, Bill C-75, if you want the number, Lametti said it did not, it's fundamentally great legislation, it did not fundamentally change the conditions of bail in the country, and he indicated that Ottawa wouldn't entertain any reforms that reversed the theme of the 2019 legislation. And that law was crafted to reduce the number of Indigenous people and racialized Canadians who are in jail, and it was crafted to protect the right to bail. So that's why they did it, and he said they wouldn't reverse direction in any way that undermined the principle of the legislation. He also warned that if you broadened the provisions for which bail can be denied, you might invite a court challenge that would be successful since the Supreme Court of Canada has said uh, you need to be very restrictive, very uh, limited in your denial of bail under the Canadian Constitution. Hmm. Okay, so there's more to come on that one. Yeah. Before I let you go, we have to talk about the other news press conference that happened on Friday afternoon. This had to do from the health minister and Dr. Bonnie Henry. Yes, so Saturday was the third anniversary of uh, that awful day uh, or that sobering day when the World Health Organization announced the COVID-19 pandemic. So you had Dr. Henry and Adrian Dix marking the occasion Friday with the announcement of a spring booster campaign. So there There will be COVID-19 boosters available to selected, but a significant group of British Columbians, the people most at risk, so long-term care, uh, immunocompromised, over the age of 80. And those are all things that NACI, the national regulator, recommended as well. But uh, Dixon Henry added one for British Columbians. So over 60, 50 if you're Indigenous, If you've never had COVID, you will have access to a spring booster. These will start being available in April. Um, Some people will be notified. Others may have to notify that they're available, that they've never had COVID. And the theme of the last one, Simi, is that uh, we heard a term on Friday, hybrid immunity. So if you've had vaccines and you've had the boosters 
and you've had COVID, you together with all those conditions are more protected from severe cases of COVID. So the idea is if you've never had it, but you've had the vaccines, you don't have quite that level of protection. And so a booster will be available. It is not compulsory, but it is recommended. And it will be a choice. Uh, I should say available. It will be a choice. But uh, the way they talked on Friday, Simi, it sounded to me like it is recommended. But there you go. Right. And they're also dropping some of the vaccination requirements. Yes. So the head of public service, Sharon Salter, on Friday announced that provincial public servants uh, no longer have a vaccination uh, requirement. Uh, those who left the public service or who were put on unpaid leave uh, will be able to come back. However, there is still a significant exemption to that provision. Healthcare workers are still required to have proof of vaccination. And when Dix was asked about it, and when Dr. Henry were asked about it on Friday, they give no indication that that will be lifted anytime soon. They didn't say it will be permanent, but basically healthcare workers who are unvaccinated, who choose not to get vaccinated, who can't prove they're vaccinated, remain uh, either laid off, fired, or unpaid leave. Okay, what about the rest of us here, too? Because it sounds like they're moving us towards this kind of fall campaign. Yes. Yeah, I mean, Dr. Henry said it's a little too soon to say what the fall will be like, but she is hoping that by fall we have a combined vaccine that covers both the flu and COVID-19, whatever variations are with us then. But she did say that there's a good chance we will have some sort of vaccine or booster uh, in the fall. And she said, you know, uh, we're going to have to learn to live with COVID. We don't know exactly how it's going to unfold, but it's not over yet. And don't assume if you're not vaccinated, you're not significantly still at risk. All right, Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.